Hello, my name is Monique Camella. I am a trauma-informed feminine empowerment, self-love and relationships coach. I created the Good Girl Unleashed podcast as a way to support you on your journey to liberating yourself from limiting beliefs, trauma, suppression, so that we can all come home and live authentically and unapologetically. I support my clients and my community with resolving trauma, releasing suppressed emotions in a safe, supportive way that allows them to reconnect to their authentic self and create a deeply fulfilling life and rich, nourishing relationships. I'm so grateful that you're here. Let's dive into today's episode. Before we dive in today, I have an important message to share with you. I am about to guide one of the most powerful and potent masterclasses mid-October, and I would love for you to be there. This three-day live masterclass is for you if you are ready to step into your fullness, your authenticity, and uniqueness with jaw-dropping confidence. Embody is about embracing all of you, including the parts many of us have been conditioned to shame, wrong, and suppress. It's about building your capacity to feel your deepest emotions that will allow you to rebirth and come into your true essence and experience full body aliveness. We will be diving deep into the divine masculine, divine feminine, and I will be guiding you in powerful embodiment practices to balance these energies and reconnect you to your divinity, allowing you to become more receptive and magnetic to beautiful experiences and synchronicities that will light you up and bring you into your flow state. It is going to be absolutely epic and delicious. Embody is really about embracing all of you, learning to love all of you and experience next level self-acceptance. This masterclass is different to the ones that I usually run. It's really an embodiment journey rather than just teaching. It is going to be incredibly powerful. Currently, you can join us for only $27. This price will be increasing to $57 very soon. If you're resonating, you can find the link below, which will take you to the registration page. Awesome. Let's dive into today's episode. I am super, super excited to share this with you. I am joined by my beautiful friend, Erin Zen Warrior, who is a real holistic coach and medical intuitive and we dive into some really deep topics and I can't wait to share it with you so let's dive in. All right so welcome to the Good Girl Unleashed podcast I'm here with Erin and uh, which was the first festival that we actually met at I can't remember now was it? I want to say it was Revive. Did we meet at Revive? Were you there? I was there but I don't know Actually, no, it was, it was then. It I was think there. We, we might have, were you at Resolution? No, you guys okay. came yeah. to so that was our first one yeah. was Revive. Okay, yeah, so it would have been at Revive that we met and it was quite fascinating because I remember like meeting Natasha and like vibing with her like, oh, she's awesome and then I like met you and I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about this human. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was like probably the next festival at like, the Christchurch um nz spirit that we had like that click and i was like oh okay and then i started to like (laughs) let down the guards um which was really awesome but yeah now i like to think that we're good friends (laughs) and like yeah so much has shifted and um it's been quite a wild journey like it's not even been a year of knowing one another but yeah 
seems like a lot longer actually in the like not in a bad way but it seems like eons ago revived so much has happened this year yeah and i mean your reaction is not uh, necessarily an unusual reaction (laughs) my day-to-day work you know because the nature of what i do is i'm mutational and trans transformational and, and that's what i do you know and that's that's got a lot of impact into people's lives and not everybody wants it. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe yeah. not everybody wants it right then either. Yeah. <laughs> I think especially like those things tend to come out of like not at a time when you most expect it. Like it's not like, oh, I'm going to this workshop to have this transformational experience. It's like I think some of the deepest transformations happen when you least expect them rather than when you're trying to control it and like, oh, I'm doing this thing and I'm going to get this outcome. It's more like, it just kind of hits you from over here and then over there and then up and down over there. And it's definitely been quite transformational, like getting to know you and having these different insights that come through our interactions. Um, I definitely feel like a different human from revived to who I am now. <laughs> it has oh, been a massive year. Yeah. To me, you definitely seem that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's just been and a massive having- year. Yeah, well, I've got, I get to, you know, we all live on social media these days when you do these kind of jobs and or vocations rather and getting to see the evolution of even your messaging and the way you're putting it forward and stuff like that. It's like, oh, this is interesting. This is a changing face. And I I don't actually pay much attention to my feet, yeah. um, but your stuff I always notice, like, and I always take note of it. Um, and it definitely is an evolving platform and you're certainly – well, certainly your response to me has changed, but no, you certainly see seem a lot more relaxed actually and a lot happier. Yeah, that's what I'm noticing as well. And even like I've been sharing about how like the last four or five weeks I've been in my own hibernation mode and I'm going through my own deep process, which allows that deeper evolution of stop focusing so much on the external and actually go inside and feel what's present and start moving through it. And then I just find that's where the magic takes place as well. And sometimes we do need to get sick or we do need to have like random people show up in our life and poke the, the tender spot that's like, oh, there's something there. Oh, let me go into that. Let me start to feel that or release that or, or do whatever's needed. And that's where that, that shift, that evolution takes place. And that poke, you know, can come in so many different elements. Sometimes it's someone who's very unconscious and very um, – in their own density actually just jabbing at you and you having to have a look at, you know, um, as a human design projector, if I overstep my bounds because someone else invites me to something and then I'm commenting in a realm that actually technically I haven't been invited to, even though there was an invitation, but it was from the wrong person. It's like, then you can get slapped around by someone. It's like, got to take stock and recognize that my over-eagerness is actually, um, well, it's, it's, it's basically an impolite like oppression into the whole situation for everyone involved, including myself, you know, so I've had situations like that where it's like, Oh, you've got to step back. The unfortunate thing is my presence does it, whether I say anything or not. So I very much see when I, you know, when I come into contact with people, whether they light up towards me or they run in the other, other direction. But even though they're still sitting there, like smiling at my face, they're like, wow, I really need to get this woman away from me. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's it's quite fascinating because I was um I was talking to a client today actually about like being your true version of self is what's going to bring you your own like happiness and get your needs met that you're craving someone else to meet those needs and it's like that fear of if I'm my true self maybe people won't like it it's like well maybe not everyone will like it but at the end of the day you're going to be so full and you're going to be so like your needs are met that you're no longer projecting onto everyone else that you're not meeting my needs you're not doing this you're going to be so full that it's like if those people fall away that's okay and you're going to create space for the people that are going to vibe with your true essence and I think it's just getting that feedback from these situations whether there's something for you to reflect on like if there is like that overstepping or if there's just someone in the the vicinity that's just not vibing with you you maybe don't vibe with them and that's actually okay <laughs> yeah a hundred like a hundred percent I um am always looking out for who's in my tribe you know I'm a very tribally orientated person um I'm always looking out for who's on a I guess a similar vibrational aspiration journey to what I've gone through and what I'm going through. That's where I do my best work. Uh, that's what I was trained to do. That's what I had many mentors, gurus, and people who poked me through my life as well. And I have no problem with people not wanting to be on that path, but because I want my vibration and my expansion to be at a certain level, that just means we're not for each other and that's okay, you know. And and that also doesn't mean that what they're doing is like worse or less or anything like that. It's just there's some alignments that are going in one direction, there are some alignments that are going in another. And when we come up against each other, that's what I love about human design. It gives me this ability to appreciate someone who talks collectively I'm a tribal person. That's oil and water. They don't mix. Mm. But I can appreciate a collective person because we need that. Yeah. And I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. Yay. Thank you for taking that job yeah. off my hands. You know, <laughs> lovely. But please go talk about it over there. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and saying that I like to hear what they have to say, I like to understand. But at the same time, I'm like, that's nice. I still don't agree with you. <laughs> yeah. I can see where you're coming from, but I don't agree with you. Yeah, and I think that's like a true beauty of like we there's there's more than one truth and it's okay if your truths don't align. Like if you, if that's their truth, they can go over there and, and connect with others that have that similar truth and you can stand in your truth and honour that and don't have to fold. Like I know for the longest time I would fold on my truth in order to fit in of like, oh, they're disagreeing. Okay, I must be wrong. Let me just get on board with them so I can survive because if – I don't fit in, I won't survive this situation. <laughs> and it was such a long journey of actually finding my own voice and like finding what my truth is and what I believe and knowing that that's also okay to evolve. I don't have to attach like, this is the truth and the only truth forever. My truth continues to evolve and that's okay. And then you vibe with different people at different times. But um, yeah, it's just, it's quite fascinating that we tend to like, we'll hide certain parts of ourselves or we'll, shift our own views or kind of fold in order to fit in rather than actually just being in your truth and really standing in that and knowing that it's okay there's space for you mm. it's funny because I have a real um uh, so being in my 40s I have a real issue with the way people use the word truth in modern sense because it's it blurs the line of what truth actually is by definition and um to me. Yeah. And so the way you've used it is about what it is to be whole and to honor yourself. Yeah. 
that is your truth. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we hear your truth and it's almost about a version of facts or circumstances. And it's like, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's not a truth. That's your version of something, mm. you know. And so there's a, a real difference to me between embracing what it is to be yourself, which I think is where that whole definition of truth came from originally and actually how that whole phrase has been perverted into something else. Um, because also there is actually a, a, a natural law. There is actually stuff that is just true. Yeah. And that's where that truth concept starts to blur things. It's like, no, no, you don't get to rewrite the facts. You know, it's like some things just are, you know, if you're angry, you just are. If you are out of alignment with yourself, that's, that is true and honest. It's not your truth. It's the truth, you know. Yeah. Um, and and that us being in those different states and being in those moments of, you know, depression, sadness, um, resistance to our own stuff, resistance to our own expansion um, versus sometimes moving in flow, being really happy and light, wanting to dance, wanting to play. There's so much judgment wrapped up in in which one you should be in, you know. Yeah. And it's like you are where you're at and your resistance to where you're at is actually going to create more density than allowing yourself to be where you're at and then deciding what you want to do with that energy, deciding what you can create from it or what you don't want to create what you want to enjoy what you want to experience you know our 3d reality is a density that we come into to experience the different flavors of what it is to be alive Mm -hmm. and we have villainized angry and depressed and all of these things i spoke to a client recently who's on antidepressants and their friend died four months ago committed suicide, actually. And so they put this person on antidepressants so they can function in their life. And I'm like, but doesn't it seem like a very reasonable thing to be quite depressed over your friend committing suicide? Mm. And at that point, this society has lost its fucking mind, you know? So what are you doing? You're medicating people out of a real response to a really sad thing and saying, oh, well, you need to be functional and go to work and be an active member of society while you deal with something that is a real part of your human experience here on earth. And it's a real development request from your spirituality. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I so resonate with all that you've shared. And, like, I remember um, going through, like, a particular program and it was all about sovereignty and the language and how the language has been manipulated like especially like the english language and they talk about how truth actually means your perspective and your kind of perspective on the truth or, or on what is true but when you say the word true that is actually what is true like true law and like what you're talking about the different laws that actually are the, the true and so they're like even just that shift of like what is true and truth is a very different but people kind of put them together and don't quite understand the english language and the complexity of it and how words are manipulated um 
and yeah same with like kind of that system of like the emotions like what is kind of considered wrong or bad and what is like what you should be feeling how you should be experiencing what you should be doing and you kind of get stuck of like what is okay and what is not okay and a lot of the work I do is it's like the emotion is a natural response like you said but it's the story that's not natural because being depressed or being angry doesn't actually mean anything other than the fact that you're feeling or experiencing an emotion and I love the um the saying around like you are not the emotion you're the experiencer of that emotion it actually doesn't mean anything about you we all experience these different emotions and i really believe like we're here to experience all that it means to be human not just happy and positive and all of these other things and the funny thing like with my journey is like i kind of got stuck in between like it felt wrong to feel either it felt wrong to feel bad and it felt wrong to feel good because feeling good and pleasure and joy was shameful but then feeling bad and depressed meant there was something wrong with me and i'm like well who am i meant to be <laughs> i think like you said some really beautiful things there uh particularly i want to re-highlight just to make sure everybody heard, heard it that you're here to experience you're here for the experience of the depression of and people are like I'm here for the experience of depression I'm like yes and we come back to that that gate I was talking about in the I Ching and in human design of the 55 of abundance in all emotions and in this deep depression some of the most beautiful things have emerged some of the most creative people have been so creative. I mean, look at Picasso's blue period that then eventually led him on to analytical cubism. Without one, the other would not have erupted. You know, there's a, a process and a flow to everything. And when we get in the way by medicating it and by telling people that they need to be functional members of society by some ridiculous definition that's been created by whom? Why do you care? Um, and we can get so much in the way of what, actually the potential could possibly be think about you know in the density of anger and the density of depression how much energy is being compressed like a big bang waiting to happen before something explodes out the other way and all of a sudden you have free flow mm, you know i love that much like what you're talking about. yeah much yeah. like what you were talking about earlier with like going into your sickness and you're like cocoon yeah being like yeah. okay I'm ready to move things but in a different way now yeah and that's literally what it felt like it's like and I could feel myself wanting to like persevere like do all the things that I would usually do like I have to do all these things like if I don't do them no one will do them it's like well who cares maybe they don't need to actually be done <laughs> and it was like I know when like my hibernation time is my hibernation time and it feels like a brewing like I feel like I'm brewing something is being birthed and I have to just surrender to that and that's what the whole experience was and I've had other experiences like this so I kind of like I already knew what was happening and it's like it's not like oh I'm just sick or I just caught a bug it's like that doesn't actually occur in my mind like because I remember when I was a massage therapist and I was reading into like a lot of the law of attraction stuff and Louise Hayes of like you can heal your life and everyone around me was getting sick like oh I've caught this bug off my client and like well why am I the only one not sick I'm around all of you <laughs> like I'm not catching this bug that's flying around so that's when I knew that anytime I got sick there was a reason for it it was usually like there was mental congestion I wasn't listening to my body there was something that I needed to go inward for 
and it's been quite a healing like my me getting sick is a part of me healing something or liberating something or birthing something it doesn't actually feel like i'm just sick um and it's the cause stop yeah it stopped you from doing what may have been good at one point but was no longer serving you and it just made you go okay if you're not going to stop we're going to stop you yeah that's exactly what it is <laughs> yeah we got to stop okay. you in your tracks so you're not listening so let me stop you <laughs> yeah and if you take this like the work that I do you know I for a long time have been a medical intuitive and I guess I didn't really quite understand how much was incredibly insightful that I was imparting to me it just seems so obvious yeah you know yeah um but I've worked a lot with chronic disease and before I even really started teaching meditation as the as the final dusting of and such an essential dusting of really evolving a person into a new health Um, we, we were doing a lot of work getting people off their medications and getting chronic disease to go into remission and I have clients to this day and friends to this day who no longer take any of their drugs and no longer carry any of the symptoms yeah. of that disease, even down to going in with a camera and looking around in there, you know. Yeah. Um, but those diseases, I mean, you listen to someone like Gabor Mate and, and read anything on epigenetics, and it's like it is your body saying no because you didn't. Yeah. And so it's like intervention. <laughs> it is it is divine. And that's why the original purpose for mRNA was um, fascinating. Don't get me wrong. I find it really interesting what they were trying to do. But it's to pervert the nature of your divinity. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about whether you should get a flu vaccine or a COVID vaccine. I'm talking about whether um, it's right to adjust us at a cellular level to get us around getting cancer, to get us around getting any of those diseases that actually are a call to change your life. Because if you don't have them, two things I can guarantee you will happen. One, you won't change anything and you will actually live, you're more likely to live a more miserable life with less elevation less spiritual expansion and less revelation in your life Mm. and less revolution as a result. The other thing I can guarantee you is nature always finds a way and you will end up with a cascade of something else because also chronic disease, it stacks. I never see a person who just has cancer. I never see a person who just has Crohn's. They have blood clotting issues in their legs. They have elevated blood pressure. They have cholesterol issues. They have, it's always a stack. And what fascinates me is that nobody sits there and goes, oh, well, I'm, they never stop and go, I wonder why I have five things wrong with me, not just one. Yeah. And I'm like, because these are symptoms of your whole life not being in alignment for you yeah yeah it's so true and like because I talk about that as well like because I do a lot of the work with my clients around like their emotional health like there's often emotions that are just being completely avoided emotions that are being completely like unaccessible like kind of chasing one avoiding the other and just being in this turmoil of like just feeling so out of alignment and when we don't actually allow ourselves to feel 
what's going on inside and we numb out whether that's through medication whether that's through tv whether it's through food or whatever it is but we're numbing out constantly we're not actually connected we're so disassociated from our body and what we're feeling and the stories that we're trying to avoid that it does eventually lead to some form of dis-ease whether that's in the mind or within the body that you just you see all over the place and then we start to try and treat the symptoms rather than the actual root cause and then we wonder why nothing's actually changing (laughs) and the thing is even from a holistic standpoint you can treat symptoms absolutely you can it may not be as slick initially as medication might seem but the long-term effects are going to hold a lot better Mm. um but what i was finding with the work that i was doing where i was doing uh nutrition physical alignment postural correction um and anything within that realm of working with the physical and tidying up their diet and making sure their supplements were in line and working with the genes and i still do all of that stuff it works in the sense that i can i can probably get you off your medication doing that I can get all the symptoms to die down over probably six months to a year and a half, you know, depending on how good you're looking for. Um, Keeping in mind cell regeneration, you've got a three-month, a six-month, a 12-month, and an 18-month cycle there, right? And then, of course, we've got the seven-year cycle as well. So, yeah, I could get that all to work. But the people who really got great results, they completely changed as people. They completely embraced this idea that they were going to reinvent themselves and they became enthusiastic with it and it became a wonderful quickest and and changed in every way and their whole lives changed. And I was like looking at my other clients that were sort of swinging back and forward. If they eat the good food, they're kind of okay. If they don't eat the good food, which they would swing back to, which is quite a natural process of penduluming, right? They would sort of start to go back to shitty things. You know, things would start going wrong in their body again. And like you said, is it the food? Is it the TV? Is it what is it I'm blocking myself with or numbing myself with? And in a lot of cases, food came up, right, given the work that I do. Food or a lack of exercise or a lack of, a lack of wanting to look after themselves. Ultimate millionaires, um, a lot of real high flyers in the city in Wellington that I was living in. And I'm looking at all these lovely people, actually really good-hearted people, all the ones that worked with me. Um, and they were miserable, actually. That's what I was seeing was a misery and a not, like you were saying, and not wanting to experience or not being able to access emotions that have just been in there for so long that they're workaholicing their way through it and drinking their way through it and eating their way through it yeah. and being almost flippant with, oh, yeah, but you've got to live. I'm like, yeah. but you've got to be healthy to live. Yeah. So first build a foundation and then play about on top of it, you know. Yeah. And well, so an, I'm yeah. all about the foundation and that's where I start going, Meditation, yeah. <laughs> you know, meditation's got to happen. I think like, because I resonate with all those, like the, the workaholism, the alcohol, the food, like all the different ways that we cope. And it was like, I was always like running from something and avoiding something. But it's like those things might have given you a moment of peace or a moment of distraction, but it didn't actually 
fix anything. Like I still felt that misery. I still felt that empty void. Like I was just like, those things didn't actually bring me happiness. Like I might go out for a night of partying and yeah, I'm having a good time. But then I wake up with more shame than when I started like the day before. So it was like, that actually wasn't bringing me happiness. But I think that the struggle is, is like you, you do start to make these shifts and you start to like feel better and you start to feel more healthy, but there's still a part of you that's maybe like that addicted to that old way of being or stuff starts to come up. Like I know when I'm more in an open space and when I wasn't drinking or like I barely drink any now any, anymore, but it's like when I'm more clear, stuff comes up and you've got to like address it and like taking self-responsibility has been a massive journey of me, like rather than projecting and blaming, like this is why I'm feeling this, this person made me feel this way or this happened and that's why I'm feeling this. Like it was all external circumstances that were at fault and I didn't know how to take self-responsibility for what was actually going on. But when I did, that's when I reclaimed my power. But there's also like just, I think a lot of people you start to do the meditation and the mind is so busy and it's painful or it's uncomfortable or something comes up or you see like oh wow look how i've been showing up that's painful to see that this is me that's created that let me go back for that like chocolate or or whatever (laughs) because it's too hard to face but on the other side of facing it is the liberation is the happiness is the joy that you've actually been looking for Well, the only reason it's as difficult as it is, is we've all been 80. I mean, New Zealand's probably the least practicing Christians you're ever going to find who don't believe in God and Christ and all that sort of stuff. Australia too, I would imagine, actually. Um, But the Christian underpinnings are still there. They've been inbuilt into the society so much. You talk a lot about shame, you know. Shame was gifted to us from religion, quite specifically Christianity. And so... People so desperately want to be good people. And yet the concept of good and bad was gifted to us from Christianity. It's if you're a good person, you go to heaven. If you're a bad one, you go to hell. Imagine if everyone just dropped the idea of good and bad. And then people are like, oh, well, it would be chaos. And I'm like, no, because there is a natural law. And when you shift in and integrate into what it is to be a spiritual being in a physical body, and that heart lights up and you relax because you're no longer defending yourself from the judgment and the shame. But now we're playing a whole different game. Now you start to realize that we don't need to defend anything, that there's nothing to run from. And as we sync up and we line up, everything expands and life, even in its depression and its misery, is a joy. Yeah. You know, there's even, I mean, I have the 55 in my chart. It's always active. It's the ab- ability to take people to the great heights of what it is to live life. But it is also the abundance of depression. Mm. And I enjoy my deep, dark lows because for me, they're like your sickness was. Mm. It's like, oh, time to rest. Cool. We're going to sit here and do nothing until we want to clean the kitchen. You know, I'm going to talk to no one. I'm going to try to avoid my phone. I'm going to just enjoy what it is to be in my stickiness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so tasty. And I really do. I really love it. I really, I didn't used to, but I've learned to. I've learned to really appreciate what it's giving me. Yeah. 
And it's, it's quite fascinating because I've struggled um, in the past with what we label as depression. I don't really label it that anymore, but um, that's what we tend to know it as. And I remember like having such highs and lows, like anxiety or depression with like, it was one or the other usually, or I was completely dissociated and drunk. <laughs> and like, that's when I was like thinking I was happy or having joy. <laughs> And yeah. it's just because it was a break from like the constant like highs and lows and being in that stress survival response. But I remember when I started to do this deeper work and started to actually get curious, like where is this actually coming from? What is creating this internally for me? And what do I need in this moment to support me? And I remember mm -hmm. starting to speak openly about it because I'd keep it all inside, having so much shame around it. So I never told anyone what was going on. I would just smile and it was like, oh, she's just shy. <laughs> Ah, do you know what Osho says about shy? <laughs> you mentioned this to me a little while ago and I was like, oh, that's that's really fascinating. Please yeah, remind me. Clever trick of the ego. It's a clever defense mechanism whereby you will not be challenged. Mm. Yeah. And so you can hide. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It's like I was hiding behind this smile and this shyness. Um but I remember like actually when I started to open up about it because I realized actually this doesn't mean anything about me. It's an experience I'm having and it's an invitation like of that divine intervention of like what is happening here that's shifting for me that's going to be like my liberation and my rebirth. And I was speaking to um, my mum and there was this lady that we were staying at a resort in somewhere just off Bali um, and they're like, oh, maybe you need to go on medication. I'm like have you not heard what I'm saying? Like, I don't need to go on medication. I'm not going to like do anything that's going to be life threatening. Um, and that might be what some people need to kind of get them from A to B and you do what you need to do. There's never any judgment around like what you need to do to get you from A to B. But for me, I knew that that wasn't my path and that was actually going to numb me and block me from the messages I was receiving by being in this depressed state. And then I continued to like do my work and I'd have these highs and lows and I'd kind of lose myself going back to old patterns and I'd find myself again and get back on the path. It was like that natural pendulation we were talking about. And then there was this point in my pregnancy with Theo, the first trimester, it was like I was not planning to get pregnant. It hit me just out of nowhere. I was like, I'm not ready for this. My ducks are not in a row. I don't have the business. I don't have the success. I don't have the house. I don't, I'm not married yet. Like all these things weren't lined up that you're kind of taught that you need to have in the linear form. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I'm not ready for this. And I just felt this like a deep wave of like, just kind of, it was almost like this cloud of depression just sink on me. And I just felt so depressed. And then I felt bad or shame because I was like, I should be joyful when I'm pregnant. I should be happy because it's something I've wanted for a long time. Now it's here and I feel depressed. How terrible is that? <laughs> but in that moment, it was like the message came through. You must feel this. There's nothing for you to do. There's nothing for you to change. There's nothing for you to escape. You must feel this. And I wrote, I had a podcast episode about this where I was like the day I let myself feel depressed and then it actually shifted everything. And now I don't, I don't experience that the same anymore. It was this gradual shift that happened where I was really deep in depression for the ma majority of the first trimester. And then I started gradually lifting. It wasn't going from low to high again. It was just this gradual lift. And then I got to this new place that was just peaceful and balanced. And I was like, 
I don't know what this place is. <laughs> this is new. And it was so beautiful. And it was like I was in this natural living state of meditation. I wasn't sitting down to meditate. My life was just meditation. And I was like, this is so different. And since then, now when I have my dark low days, I'm not saying, oh, I'm depressed now. Oh, what a shame. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm having an experience. I'm feeling this sensation or this story is coming up or there's like a curiosity about what I'm experiencing rather than labeling like I am depressed because I am not depression. I had an experience of depression. And when we say okay. here all the time, my anxiety, my depression, we're owning it as identity, wondering why it doesn't go anywhere because we're owning it. <laughs> well, and also in those low, lower or, or stuck moments, we're looking for identity. We're looking for something. And we're also looking to be excused because we feel the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, you know, like you sort of went through, I should do this, I should do that. And it's like, again, human design, the permission that all of that should, could, must, need, throw it all away, right? And spirituality as well, meditation, all of it, all of it says the same thing. Throw all of that away. Now, what do you want? What do you feel? What do you intuit? What speaks to who you are? It, it's now not what I need to do, but it's what I, what I, what my body is pulling me towards, what my yeah. full physical experience is pulling me towards. And with meditation, I mean, especially we were talking about um, COVID and, and everything that went on in that environment um, before we got online. And actually for me that was it last year was really there was a point where I was pushing and I was trying and I was really trying to get something moving. And I just went, why? Just stop. Just stop pushing against something that's not going anywhere. You're pushing against a closed door with a lock on it. And I just stopped. And as I stopped, I went more and more into meditation practice. And more and more brought meditation practice into my whole life, which I've been very lucky that's been in my whole life anyway, but even more so bringing the ease that can be found, the vibration of the ease. And, you know, like you said, you, you have these experiences that actually aren't you. They're experiences where stories are coming up. And so it becomes this amazing opportunity, which I do believe is robbed of you when medication is involved, this amazing opportunity for you to listen to the story that you're telling yourself. Mm. One of my favourite stories was always that I'm all on my own. You know, I'm doing it all on my own. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who can relate to that, and especially there's a lot of women in the 30 to 45 age group, even older, I'm sure, as well, who relationships have not gone the way they wanted to. Even when they're in them, they feel alone. You know, yeah. and so it's like, well, is that real or is that a story you're telling yourself? Yeah. Now I'm not in a relationship, but I know the vibration that I want in my relationship now. Otherwise, I'd rather be in this one just with me because this vibration is perfect. Yeah. This vibration is exactly aligned and I get to do exactly what I want with this beautiful person every day. Yeah. But that's something you come to as you allow yourself to see those stories that you're telling yourself 
about what you should, must, could, need to be doing, where you should be at with the house and the lining all your ducks up in a row. I mean, the amount of shit I have on my to-do list that's going to expire before I get anywhere near it is very long. And you, you don't want to get it all done. You really don't. You want more exciting shit to come along and replace it and be more important than the shit that you actually can't be bothered doing. Well, you would have probably done some of it by now, you know. Um, over the last couple of years, the amount of stuff that's expired, and you know what? My business has still expanded. It's changed. It's grown. My message has changed and grown. And I'm like, the growth is the only thing that's important. The, the journey, the ticking shit off on a list. Yeah. I mean, nothing wrong with it, but not something to get bogged down by. It's like, whose list is that even anyway? Like, who actually gave you that list? Is it actually yours? Because what I noticed, like, I had the ages that I was going to be when these things happened before they'd happened, like, many years in advance of, like, when I'm 22 or when I'm 20, I'm going to be married or when I'm 22, I'm going to be having kids. I was not ready to be having kids at 22, although I didn't think I was ready. I don't even know how old I was. I was 25 when I got pregnant with Theo, and I was like, oh, my gosh, if I was pregnant earlier than this, like, that would have been terrifying. But I, I, I always believed that like in that divine timing and I always said to like because Liam and I had spoken about having kids we were like yeah a couple years away but then it just kind of happened and we always said like when it's meant to happen it just will and you just find a way like you see it all the time like things happening that are so unexpected and you just find a way that we're more resourceful than we realize and I think like coming back to meditation that's actually what allows you to be more resourceful because you're not living in stress survival response you've actually got that clarity of mind, you're in more ease, you're more openness where you can actually connect to your divinity and creativity and inspiration of like, okay, let me sit with this rather than freak out and jump to the first reaction that comes up thinking that somehow that's going to fix the thing. If I just run around like a headless chook doing a bunch of things, something will stick and work out. It's actually- yeah, I'll be exhausted, <laughs> but something's got to work. And it's like, Actually, have you ever noticed when you're running around like that, nothing works until you give up? Yeah. <laughs> like, and then something sticks. Like, this is the law of attraction and existence fucking laughing at you and letting you know that actually the perception of being on your own is a total fallacy. It's completely untrue. You are always 100% supported. You are a fragment of source energy, which means you have access to an abundance beyond your imagining, mm. you know? And so, I mean, this comes up so much in like a very classic story that people will try to tell me is not a story. I can't even tell you how many times I've had this conversation. I don't have the money. We don't have it right now, but <laughs> I can tell you right now, if you keep saying that, you're not going to have the money. Like you're telling existence what you want. I don't want to have the money. I don't want to have the money. I don't want to have the money. I really need more money. Another language for I don't have enough money. Yeah. It's like as soon as I want to do something, I'm like, right, where's my money coming from, right? Yeah. Where's it coming in from? It's the invitation is here. You're going to need to land. We're doing this next. Yeah. And there is no, I moved to Auckland on I don't even know how. It landed in a beautiful, like it all manifested itself because there was no resistance to the idea that it could be done. Yeah. You know, it was simply a game of, I want a new kitchen. 
I want a workspace that's not my living room. I want, you know, I want to be in the heart of the city, but not right in the city. I really like Kingsland, by the way. You know, all of these things are here. I'd really like to have flatmates without living with anyone. My landlords, lovely people, also organic farmers, by the way, live on the same property as me. They're not here all the time. They're often at the farm. But I get community without actually having to be in the space of others, which was something with my sensitivity. I really I really wanted that freedom to decompress yeah. doing the work that I do. Yeah. And it's- so, yeah, that story. I don't, I don't, well, I just don't, I can't afford it. Yeah. It's, it's so fascinating because it comes up all the time in my world as well. Like I think especially when you have your own business, obviously you're, you've always got different things that you're sharing and offering and selling in a sense. And it can feel like, yeah, you've always got those stories coming up, but it's like you do know it's a story and I know it's a story that I've told myself in the past, but then I've also shared stories like when I knew it was for me, like I just knew it with a, a deeper sense of my being that didn't make sense. And I shared it um, around like when I first did my breathwork training, uh, it was like a eight day training. And I think it was like three and a half thousand dollars or something. And I had nothing like I, like I was living paycheck to paycheck. Like I was pretty much at zero before the next paycheck came in. I was like, I'm not, don't feel like I'm able to save for this thing. And I was like, I don't know where the money's going to come from, but I just know with all my being, I have to do it. And then I got this random tax refund that I was not expecting. It was the exact amount I needed. And I'm like, if that's not manifestation, I don't really know what, like I wasn't saying that I was expecting and for it to be the exact amount. And I've had many experiences like that when I really want to do something, there's always a way. But when you decide that there's not a way for you to do it, you've already decided, you've already created that. You've closed that door on yourself. Like if you want something, you got to believe that you can actually have it and that you can be resourceful enough to like, just open up and receive it for one. But that even brings me into like, this will be another conversation for us, but like we were talking about the divine masculine and feminine. And so many people are running in the masculine of do, 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 go, 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 achieve, achieve, achieve. So freaking busy running around in the stress survival response. They're so disconnected from like that feminine energy of receiving and they don't know how to receive, let alone actually receiving, experiencing it. They don't even have the capacity they're too busy giving and pouring things out. Well, on a chakra level, so I'm a yogi as well. <laughs> like I do everything. We forgot I, to do I, our intros. <laughs> who am I? You? Yeah. Who am I? Yeah. So yeah. Hi, I'm Erin Zen Warrior. I'm a bit of a cook in a kitchen, a holistic, um, medical intuitive who works with the body to the mind and the mind to the body. Um, And I do kind of a little bit of everything, but also recognize that it takes a team to get us where we want to be. It's all about our interconnectedness with other people and stuff. So, you know, there are definitely times where I find someone, I'm like, oh, you should go see that person because they're going to be able to help you with something that either I don't want to do because I don't feel to do it, um, but it needs to be done, or because we're focusing on something else. <laughs> we need a team, you know. Um, you spoke about um, what was your last the, thing? The giving and the receiving, the masculine and feminine energies. Right. So from a, I come from, you know, my mother and my father were physical movers and teachers. And um, for those of you who are into human design, one mental projector, one emotional projector, and then I'm an emotional projector as well. It's a very projector-like family. My poor sister, the only manifesting generator when, when I was very little, 
Um, and her father was a reflector, so she was really screwed with the non-energy types. Yeah. And if anyone but, is, like, completely brand new, is like, what are you even talking about? You need to look into human design because it's life-changing. <laughs> it's really something epic. Uh, it's something I plug in and integrate in with the work that I do. Um, I first looked at it and went, oh, I can help diagnose people from this. You know, it was an extra tool for my medical intuition. Um, but... What I understood from quite young was movement. And then as I started to sort of evolve as my own, like develop my own understanding of a yoga and I was working with my guru who was an osteopath, I started to get this understanding of like, you know, constipated in the mind, constipated in the body. And you were speaking about being sick and something needs, needing to move out. Well, whenever we get sick, there's actually a natural constipation that occurs in the stomach as well. So the more you flush your stomach, the quicker you're going to get over that sickness and the quicker you're actually going to have the mental rev revelation because there is no such thing as dis-ease in the mind without dis-ease in the body yeah. because from a chakra system, these three lower chakras are pretty much money, food, and sex. They're all survival. <laughs> and most of us are living most of our lives here. And so in this process and keeping in mind You've got creation and then this, this center here, the solar plexus center, is all about the energy that you put out. So it's all the doing. It's doing, 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 doing. The next level up, the center of the seven chakra system, chakra four, is the heart. And this is where we become receptive. So all of you living in fight or flight, fight and flight and freeze, all of you trying to survive, worrying about where the next dollar is going to come from and how you're going to feed your family that are devoid of trust, devoid of the divine experience of trusting into the source energy that you are a part of, this incredible network that you're a part of that has carried you through every difficult time where you have created so much density and fear that eventually when you let go, existence stepped in and rescued you every time because you are that powerful. It's not until you move here that you can receive properly. Mm. And so every time we go into anxiety and fear and panic and anger and all of that sort of stuff, there's nothing wrong with it, but recognizing it's not a receptive state yeah. because it's, it, it, you can't be in that and be in your heart. Yeah. You know? Mm. And as soon as you go here, honestly, the energy just keeps moving up. Yeah. And that is transcendentalism. Hmm. and it's like when you're in that stress survival response like it's not like we know like intuitively it's not a time to be open and vulnerable and receive it's a time to like survive like it's kind of that feeling of the tiger is coming we're not going to sit down and meditate right now <laughs> we're going to run the <laughs> yeah and your body literally shuts down the ability to reproduce it's not a time to be barefoot and pregnant you know, it's not a time to receive sperm into an egg. Yeah. I mean, if that doesn't tell you something with our increasing rates of infertility. <laughs> yeah. And so how do we get into our heart? <laughs> kind of already touched on it. Yeah. Um, 
from my perspective, and obviously um, Monique is going to have her own perspective, which I'm sure she's shared with everyone, but from my perspective, and this is where we are quite similar um, in a way, creating a strong body and aligning the chakras is a really great hack to bringing us into our heart because we are talking metaphysically and physically. Mm. You're, you are a spiritual being in a human experience, and there's a tool sitting right here that's very physical that's actually very easy to play with. And this is why the yogis had to evolve yoga eventually. As we started to change our society, there was a need to start creating dis- discipline physically first before people could meditate because they were starting to get more active and potentially get more caught up in the masculine. Yeah. And so bringing in that receptive state first required aligning and even sometimes exhausting that yeah. need to burn energy, you know, yeah. especially for, um, do you mind if I share your basic design? So Monique is a manifesting generator. And so there's, this is a person who's plugged into source energy. She's got lots of energy to burn. If she gets to the end of the day and she hasn't burnt it, she won't sleep, you know. So she really needs to use that energy and she needs to be in her physicality. To me, all of the generators, of which it's 70% between generators and manifesting generators, they need to get out there and move. You know, they need that. They need a kickstart in the morning because they've got like a motorbike engine. Mm. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not there for reflectors and projectors and stuff like that as well. These are manifestors, these other energy and non-energy types. They still need movement, but maybe they shouldn't be running marathons, Yeah, you know, um, because a marathon probably is asking a bit too much energy of a non-energy type if they'd like to do anything else today. Yeah. Um, so physically aligning first, and then I'm a big believer in the need for catharsis with the Western mind, you know, like we need to shake and jump and be stupid and play and laugh and roll around on the floor and crawl around and growl like tigers and slap ourselves. And there's lots of cool stuff and Qigong, Tai Chi, all that sort of thing is really great where you're like stimulating the body. Yeah. Kundalini, one of my favorites, Kriya Yoga. Kriya Yoga is actually starting to take the shift from the masculine to the feminine. Mm. So I'm a big fan of Kriya Yoga because it, it brings you into the slowdown. Yeah. And it very quickly ignites you into a possibility of dropping into that heart space. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense with what you're saying because what I hear all the time is like people struggling to meditate because their mind is so busy. It's like, well, move that energy first and then you'll find it's much easier to drop into that meditation and i see it all the time with like our breathwork workshops because even though people are laying down and it's like oh we're just breathing but actually no you're moving a lot of energy and we tend to be making sound and moving the body and actually we're in the somatic we're in the body and actually moving a lot it takes energy to move energy and we get to the meditation the sound healing and people just are like in the most the deepest most blissful meditation of their lives they're like oh i'm someone that can't meditate but the, it just happens so naturally. And so... Most people are disconnected from their bodies. They hate yeah. them. They're walking yeah. around hating their bodies. There's so much shit out there about what your body should have, could have, would have been, you know. And it's like in every state, and I'm, I'm sitting here before you as what, a size 8 in New Zealand. I was once a size 16, you know. And I didn't even realise I kind of ballooned and done the whole London yeah. thing, you know. But... 
In order to get my body back, I had to get back in touch with it. I had to love moving it. I had to, but at the same time, I had to love it where it was. Yeah. You know, I had to be in touch with what I had as well. And I don't think I know or have met anyone that doesn't have some form of like body shame or kind of discomfort around some part of their body. Like just in my experience, like I've definitely had it and I've always been small and I've always like, the reflections that I've received is like a good looking girl, but I thought I was ugly for the longest time and I hated everything about myself. And it was like such a journey of coming from like such deep self-hatred to self-love and now like teaching and supporting others about how to come home and have that wholeness and that love for self. doesn't mean that every now and then I don't feel that insecurity come up or like, oh, I look in the mirror and there's something there, but it's like, now I can just meet myself of like with so much love and compassion and just go into like whatever it is I need to, like I can move my body now. I can make sound like I couldn't do before. I was just like such a stagnant being, just inability to express in any kind of form. <laughs> just so, like I was saying, so yeah. stuck in the middle of like, I can't feel bad and I can't feel good. So I can't feel anything. And that's literally how I was walking around, just not feeling. And then it was when I was drinking alcohol that I was like, I was able to express and I'm, I love dancing. So I'd go out and dance and I was just free. And there was a sense of freedom, but then I'd have so much shame the next day. Like I needed that. And so my journey was like, how do I actually access that without needing the alcohol to do it? And I just, I found a way it was like kind of setting that intention, just set everything in motion. I love the power of intention. It's like we might not know exactly like where do I start? What do I do? But what do you want? What is that intention? And then yeah. allow that to unfold and guide you. And know that it's your right to have exactly what you want. And and all the, you know, you, you describe the, the Christian like Rubik's Cube so well. <laughs> I'm not allowed to feel good because that's for heaven and I'm not allowed to, and I'm deeply ashamed. We're of, kind of in between heaven and like, hell. <laughs> what the fuck do I do with myself? I'm like, you're experience, experiencing purgatory 100% while you're here on earth. And I'm like, reminds me of that song line, heaven is a place on earth. Yeah. And I'm like, heaven is not just a place on earth. It is you. It is in you. It is your divinity to wish for whatever you want and have it. And the only reason you don't have it right now is because your stories are in the way, your density, your resistance, your all of that. And the fun part that you you want to be involved in, and I really say you really do want to be involved in this because it's going to lead you to Eden, right, mm -hmm. is the process of recognizing the stories and, and laughing at them. Yeah. <laughs> like, oops, I'm a dumbass. Like, you described something earlier and it just reminded me the assumption you should all make is that you're dumb. You're dumb and you're coming to a point of intelligence by picking apart all the ways you've hobbled yourself. Yeah. 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 And I mean, for me, oh, sorry, you go ahead. I was just going to say, it's like, it's really in what you just said, like that seeing of like acknowledging like, oh, that's the story. Now I see it. Now I can do something about it. That's, it's like I've shared, um, I say it quite often is like shine your light of awareness and you take your power back. But until you actually see the thing, you can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. And so in order to see the thing, first you have to get let go of the idea of what's good and bad. Yeah. 
you know that doesn't mean that there aren't natural laws around killing people but i would i would argue personally that there's definitely people who deserve to die i might not want to kill them myself but if someone else did it for me i'd probably be quite happy about it but i would definitely argue that there have been people in in the past that have done horrible things that the only way to deal with them is and so i would say that that's that's a natural law playing out at the same time, the average natural law would be don't harm others, yeah. you know, don't cause harm. Yeah. Um, and we do when we're unconscious. Yeah. We do when we're playing out these stories. Yeah. Eeyore is the best example of the lovable covert narcissist. And there's nothing that should be villainized about a narcissist, you know, and it's become such a popular villainization and it's like, you're looking at a deeply wounded individual, but the reason why they become a villain is because you've made them responsible for what you've allowed in your life with them involved because you unconsciously wanted something from them and you were willing to sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice in the hope that you'd still be the good person and the hope that you'd be loved and the hope that they would um, give you an opportunity that would make you money. Yeah. And just because a person is having a hard run of a life doesn't mean you have to sit there and hold their hand while they while they continually stay in it. Yeah. And insist on staying in it. And that was, you know, that was Pooh Bear and Eeyore. That was their relationship. Pooh Bear was this sort of enlightened, like drunken master in a way. You know, he had this quality of just like everything was light. And he sort of tap danced his way to his next pot of honey, <laughs> his next pot of gold. You know, and Eeyore was just always this misery guts. And it's like, that's an energy thing, you know, Mm. and you don't have to have them in your life. Mm. And if you're the energy thief, you don't have to be that person. Yeah. Yeah, it's really powerful. It's like, and like what you were saying, like when you're unconscious, that's when we're doing a lot of the harm, like we're, we're criticizing the ones that we love the most. Like, like I do a lot of work inside relationships and I do that work because I've had my own experiences and challenges in relationships. And it's like, we're just constantly criticizing that person that's closest to us, hoping that we can like criticize them into giving what we want. Like if I hurt them enough, if I make enough noise, then they'll actually just come into line and give me what I want. It doesn't work that way. And that comes, yeah, it comes from like childhood and like that wounding around like, well, when I was a baby, I screamed and made a ruckus and I made it so uncomfortable for my caregivers until they gave me what I needed. Now we're doing it with others that it's just, it's outdated. It's not how we actually get what we want now, but we're actually causing more harm from that place and from the stories that we're playing out rather than when we actually shift up the the chakras like you were talking about earlier and coming into the heart space, into that receptive, into more of that clarity where we can actually start to see what's really going on, take responsibility, which wasn't an easy process in the beginning for me, but it got easier the more I practiced it. Then I was more in my power and that shifted the whole dynamics in the relationships that I have in my life. And even just my ability to receive in other areas like business and community. And I don't like from that place, I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't want to criticize my partner. Like there's more of like that natural law that you're talking about that like we don't want to harm other people. So letting go of that good and bad, it's just natural for us to want to 
love and give and have compassion and share but instead of giving from a place of giving to get it's giving because I actually just love you and it fills me up to see you happy and I'm also so full that it's not taking from my cup it's actually just overflowing from my cup into yours Hmm. well the anagram of of earth is heart this is a hearty planet like that that's not accidental that all the same letters are there you know um and I think relationship is how we've come to what is our emotional evolution as beings into a higher spirituality and it is absolutely as you so um you know gracefully said it's about me filling myself up to be a whole person you know so that i can overflow most people out there are looking to fill a gap with their partner yeah. Whether there are meshes or whatever their trauma, relational, anxious attachment style might be, all of that is speaking to those child that childhood wounding, and all of that is speaking to us going to the outside world to become whole. And it's an unfair request, mm. and it's a request that leaves you powerless, and that's ultimately going to leave you disappointed because no one individual here is here for you. Yeah. We are all here for our own constructive selfishness. And, I mean, ultimately that's what I teach. This is constructive selfishness. But constructive selfishness is not an easy path Mm. because you're going to have to get really honest with yourself about what it is to be an enmeshment trauma person, right? So I'm very much an enmeshment style. This is the person that sacrifices themselves a million times over in order to be loved, you know? And they're the good one in the relationship yeah. because they're not, it's not a narcissistic or seemingly narcissistic play, but the agreement is I'm going to do this and you're going to give me that. I'm going to sacrifice myself on the sword and you're going to love me for the rest of my life. Yeah. And it's like whether you are enslaving someone by, you know, strategically pulling them apart psychologically or by guilting them into something through enmeshment, you know, it's all the same shit, really. Yeah. You're not whole. And you're not being responsible about that. Yeah. And then we wonder why we're, we're walking around miserable and disappointed and, and not getting those needs met. It's like I often talk about, and um, I was going to share it earlier, like when you were like, I don't have a partnership now but I know what I want. But if I don't have that, I've got this and that's amazing. And I really loved that. And it's like, I've something came through me recently of like, you are the one that you are doing life with. Others may come and go, but at, at the end of the day, you are the one that you're doing life with. And that's kind of the end of it. Like you've always got you. So nurture that relationship, honor it because that's what you got. And it's like, then from there, you can actually start to create that inner wholeness, overflow your cup. And then you actually get to enjoy the people around you because you're no longer like attacking them for not being the way you want them to be. You actually get to enjoy them and love them. And that's when you start to experience that thriving relationship and conscious relationships is like, because you're not relying on them to fill a void or fill a need that wasn't met in childhood. Exactly. Well, exactly. And I think also perhaps a bit you haven't touched on there, but I'm I'm sure you would is boundaries. If I don't honour this, like the enmeshment trauma person has shitty boundaries. Projectors also tend to have shitty boundaries. It's something we have to learn. And so empaths or what I call um, 
I, I would call them the toxic empath, right? So there's real empaths, but real empaths have very good boundaries. Yeah. Toxic empaths are tricksters, actually, and they're tricking themselves as much as everybody else. And so, you know, as someone who's very, very sensitive, has a, a real developed sensitivity to work with my clients, I need very strong boundaries in my life or I end up exhausted and depleted. Yeah. It's not that I don't love the other. It's that I need them to go away so I can love myself yeah. for a bit, you know? I think we, I think we all need like really strong boundaries. And I think very little people actually have them. Again, if I have a boundary, what does that mean about me? What is the consequence? If I set a boundary, they won't love me. They won't stick around. Like I've yeah gone very deep into boundaries on, on the podcast and have like a, like a full program on it as well. And it's such a big part. And it's also a big part of my journey. I had no boundaries. And then all of a sudden I'd be like trying to set really strong boundaries all at once like kind of giving everything giving everything oh nope too much go away <laughs> don't touch me like all the walls are up all the guards have got like swords and guns and like <laughs> you can't get anywhere close to me and it was like just out of a fear response of like i'm not safe push everyone away and i just go into my own cave <laughs> so not i think that's really- a, i think that's a beautiful response though like I actually do think that's a beautiful response because when you have really extreme responses like that, you can't miss them, mm. you know? And because also you were saying, you were finally getting to the point where you were, you were saying no to everything, even yeah. to your own behavior. Yeah. And from there you can decide and you can unpack and you can, yeah. and you would have cocooned a bit. So you would have had probably one of those first experiences of going inwards. Yeah. And going, well, what the fuck do I want? Yeah. And it's like in the beginning, all of this was just so confusing to me, but it's like beginning that journey, like that very first intention to discover what the heck was going on, just led me onto the path and it all unraveled in divine timing. It didn't happen as fast as I wanted it to, but it happened in the exact amount of timeliness that it did because I think we would kind of like, we think we want to get somewhere as fast as we possibly can but if we did the amount of shit you would have to go through in a small period of time would be so overwhelming that you may not even survive it or like it would just be so kind of traumatizing to go through that amount of stuff and I found like this year especially I've gone through more layers than I have like in such a short time but I feel like I've built that capacity to do that in a faster rate in the past that would have been just way too much and I probably would have gone and hit in a hole and maybe not have come out because it's really tough but the rewards and like on the other side of that of like what you receive is so like like extravagant and huge and mind-blowing and it's so worth it but it's like you have to build that muscle of being able to go into those deeper layers rather than thinking I'm just going to dive into the deep end and have it all done and dusted kind of thing and kind of have it perfect I think there's always going to be room for growth and room for learning and healing and all of that yeah I am thinking about the phrase you used there about building that muscle I think there's truth in that statement but I don't think it has to be yeah I think there's truth in it I I wouldn't want to a take away from your feeling on it nor would I want to take away from the the practice of doing the work doing the investigation, yeah. doing the study, because it's all well and good to sit down in meditation, yeah. but 
actually you need to understand how your mind works and there's lots of writings and stuff out there that helps you to actually start to understand the interweave and people like us talking about it as well and people who've experienced it understanding the interweaving of how your mind tricks you how your ego works why your ego is good and you don't want it to die and why it can get very much in your way in that survival process because that's its design it is here to keep you alive um but also i i would want to say that there is always a possibility for us to drop in and receive yeah everything that we're willing to allow yeah and it's only our resistance and the practice of our resistance to our own life that slows that down. And that's okay. Like we have chosen that. And when you look at the mandala from the Tibetan tradition, the mandala um, has two lizards in the center. And these two lizards are the gatekeepers. And they gatekeep what they will let your current incarnation know and understand and see. And so as you go through the maze of the mandala and this pathway to enlightenment, you get to the lizards. And maybe you go through that every time you peel a layer of yourself. And the lizards will only release what is safe for you, what you can handle. But as you put it, Monique, there's that element of the more I do it, there is a level where you're building the ability to take on more and more and more. However, people do get enlightened in a moment. And the reality is is that at some point, it's no longer about the training and you have to drop everything. And for everyone, that's a jump. That's a transition. There's no muscle you can build for that, even though you're in practice. It's like a let go of all of the things, including this concept of getting ready to be ready to be ready. Yeah. It's like at some point, you just are ready. Yeah. And everything else falls away and the lizards no longer have a job. Yeah, that so resonates. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful. So we'll start to wrap up here because I feel like there's just so much for people to like process and, and integrate. But is there anything else you'd like to share just before we close off? Um, there was one thing that came up and just came back to my mind, which was about meditation. Um And it was about people, like, because meditation is how we get into our heart. It's a really great space of sitting down and and allowing ourselves to breathe and let the breath come up higher physically in our bodies to that heart space. There's a lot of preconceptions about what meditation is out there. And I've heard people claim they meditate deeply. And my third eye can tell you right now they fucking don't. And they've tricked themselves because the ego is very clever. And that's why Monique is even open to me poking at her because she knows that it takes a tribe to bring us to our enlightenment. You know, it takes a team of people saying, you realize you're a bit fucking harsh and you could be nicer. (laughs) Or you realize that you're getting in your own way. Or you realize that's actually you. Or even just being able to talk and see our own stuff as we're talking with someone who also has that more that clarity to look at themselves and to look at others sometimes they don't need to say anything they just give you a reflection instantly which is what I did to Monique when I first met her it was a it was a quick reflection she was like oh I'm not sure I want that you know um because I've been on this path for 
well, probably my whole life and many other lives that I can tell you, but also actually as an adult doing it since I turned 20. Mm. Um, So be careful of tricking yourself by creating in your meditations. You know, like there is a creation process that you can do in meditation, but first practice just observing and develop the observer level. Start to understand what it is to drop into different brain frequencies, which the more you practice, the more you'll notice it. Because it's not until you you drop into those those frequencies that you're going to be able to create anything anyway. Yeah. And watch journeying and journeying into fantasy land because you create negative chi there, and you trick yourself and support your ego in something you really don't want as a practitioner. Yeah, I loved. Um, I remember one of your talks at the festivals, like kind of like normalizing meditation a little bit, and I remember you just like calling it chilling out it's just chilling chilling out yeah and it just kind of gets you out of the way of like meditation is this or it has to be like that it's actually just chilling out or I'm gonna get stuff if I meditate yeah and that's what I found of like when I was kind of referring to like building the muscle it kind of like for me what I teach now just kind of feels like second nature whereas in the beginning it was just really tough like it was really hard to let go of the stories it was really hard to actually see it or take responsibility or express myself or or any of that and like now it's just it's just my life and I think it's like when you do that practice same with meditation the more you practice the easier it's going to get of course like with anything like I often talk about um like when Theo first started to walk he didn't fall over once and be like, oh, I can't do it. I'm just not going to walk ever. Like he just got back up. Like it's everything is hard when you first start learning a new lesson or a new skill or, or a new thing. But you keep doing it and it gets easier and then all of a sudden it's second nature. And I think yeah. when you learn from like a master as well, like you see it as well when when they watch, they pick up things pretty fast when their kids are watching and they're absorbing and they're learning it pretty quickly. And it's like when what I noticed with me is like my journey has been 12 years since I first set that first initial intention of the healing journey and like I need to figure out what what the heck's going on. So 12 years I've been like trying to figure a lot of shit out. And then now what I find is like when I work with people, they get the stuff so much faster. (laughs) And I think that touches on like what you were saying as well, like you can be enlightened in a moment. And it's like I think as well when you do align with someone, and you receive what they're sharing, like it's like that energetic transmission, you can learn things so much faster. You can have those shifts and that enlightenment and like go far beyond the the coach or the mentor that you're following because that's what you're ready for. But you're being in their frequency, you're being in their energy compared to like that saying around you, you're like the equivalent of the five people you spend your time with. And so if you're spending time with people that are, like validating and strengthening those patterns that aren't serving you, you're going to stick into and stay in the same patterns. But when you start to shift and find that community that aligns or that mentor or that coach that's sharing, like even just listening to these podcast episodes, it starts to shift things on a much deeper level. Yeah. And, and that's what it is to be in the, in the business that we're in. We're transformational, mutational, and ideally, we become such a conduit, a catalyst, that people jump quicker. That's what my group did for me. And, you know, you share your story about how hard it was for you at the start. I had done six months of partying in London, and it was drugs every weekend. 
And I had woken up one day after I was selling bongs <laughs> at the V2001 festival. And I woke up on the Monday after it, tears pouring down my face. And I just went, I feel like I'm dying on the inside. And and I got out. The next day I gave up all my friends. Well, I didn't want to give them up, but I had to because they couldn't leave me alone. They were always trying to give me drugs. It was just annoying, actually, because I was never an addict. I was very much a social party girl, right? Yeah. So I gave it all up. I started exercising every day. I was almost vegan instantly. I was eating, like, chicken once a week or fish once a week. I had one chocolate bar a week, and everything else was super clean. Yeah. And within a couple of weeks of that, I met my guru. And... Initially, it was lovely because I was ready for this. Like I came in from another life prepped for let's trans- let's transcend, let's go again, you know. Um, and my old, old yogi self came back to like, right, game on, you know. And so I was in total bliss for like five days, maybe six days, absolutely on a high, barely slept, got to meet high lamas, it was September 11th when I met, met my guru, so it was quite an epic time. So there were lots of high-level lamas coming into London to try and piece the energy back together, together and the energetics back together. And then after a week, the hard work started. Mm. People started, because there was a lot of people around who were doing the same work, started reflecting back to me, oh, you seem a bit angry today. No, I'm not. <laughs> you know, people started to reflect back who I was and what I was doing and and the games I was playing and the things and like after coming off drugs whether you're an addict or a social user they fuck with your brain chemistry so my perspective my truth was not what they were saying but eight years later I'm sitting there and we're talking to a girl who's using cocaine and I can see myself eight years before sitting in the sky and I was like, fuck, I'm finally getting to see what I was actually like because my remembrance was still the same. It still was like I knew I was fucked. I could look back and go, okay, I was fucked up, whatever. But my remembrance of it was like, no, 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 they just didn't see it clearly. And then there I am sitting there looking at this girl. I'm like, you don't actually get what we're saying right now because those drugs will not let you see yourself clearly. Yeah. until your body starts to transform and detox and you go through a whole process. It's going to take a few years, actually. Your clarity is quite screwed up from any drug use. And I would also include that uh, prescriptions do have an effect mm. of how you see yourself. Yeah. So chemistry. Yeah. So hormones and bloodstream and fight or flight and all of that stuff. It's your kidneys, it's your liver, you know, your anxiety and your anger, your ego. Yeah. And these stories that we attach to that distort who we actually are, we're like, you're not actually the stories you're telling yourself, you're not the emotions you're feeling. You can't even actually fully comprehend who you truly are when when you really start to open up to that. Like your divinity is like beyond the mind's comprehension, like you were saying earlier, like, you're so much more than anything you can achieve. <laughs> you will. And, and I imagine if people really grasped what that means, that's like you are so much bigger 
then your physicality, your physical self, your human self will ever understand. And and it means that you're so important just sitting here. Mm. You're so valuable. You're so needed. You're so much part of existence that if you were to vanish, you would leave a vacuum. Scientifically, existence would miss you. You don't vanish ashes to ashes, dust to dust. You go back to the earth, You the physicality cycles around again. Mm. You are 100% accounted for. Existence knows you are here. And every time you let her, she will hold your hand. Mm. What a beautiful message to, <laughs> to finish on. <laughs> I love that. Um, is there anything that you would share of like, like a starting point or like a next step for someone of like, how would they begin to em- embody what we've just kind of been sharing and coming to really like, it feels like there's a big theme around wholeness and coming back to wholeness and back to self. Is there something practical that someone could do? Like what's their next step from here? One of my favorite things to even do to this day is to stand literally naked in front of the mirror full length and listen to what my mental souffle is, my commentary on what I see, good, bad, any of it, and write it down. Write it down and sit with that for a bit and sit with how real you think that is and sit with how that might be just a representation of everything that you've created because your body is is part of what you've created in this life, Yeah, you know. And your view of it is definitely your creation. So you start there and consider if, you know, people always say this one, if you spoke to your your friends the way you speak to yourself, would would anyone put up with that? Yeah. You know? And so then it becomes, well, how do I rewrite that? Mm. And it's not go to the gym seven times a week and starve yourself on 500 calories. It's Mm. not that. It may be... Actually, I would like to be lighter, so maybe I do need to look at very practical things. But it's just first that getting in touch with what do you really see and what do you really think of yourself and your physicality and then starting to take steps to get involved with your body in a way that you can enjoy it. Yeah. I love to play. I love to swing from aerials. I love to go to yoga. For me, that's playful. I love to go to capoeira. I like to dance. I like to go to salsa. Pick a, pick a physicality first because physical is how we tap into everything else. Yeah. And it's knowing that it doesn't have to be one way. It doesn't have to be going to the gym. If you know you hate going to the gym, don't freaking go to the gym. Like find a way to move your body that actually feels good. <laughs> Because then you'll actually want to do it. I love to put my, like, I love to listen to music. So I will pick songs that make me want to move. And then I will come into the space that I'm in right now. And I will just do a few stretches, dance around a bit. Like, I will just start moving and see what my body calls to. Sometimes I rock and roll on the floor and stretch out my spine. Sometimes I play with the cat because he comes in and, like, wants to be playful. But I just, I just start moving. Like, absolutely. If you don't like the gym, unless you're rehabbing your body, which is a whole different thing, you don't need a gym. 
you know there's so many ways to get in touch with your body for your spirituality and in some cases i would say a gym may be anti that mm. certainly the energetic energetic environment of a gym is not aligned with spirituality mm. what you do there might be but the gym itself is generally full of narcissistic vibration you know yeah that's pretty dominant in most of them mm. and self-hate yeah <laughs> You know, there's a lot of that there. I mean, I've worked yeah. in a lot of gyms and I love them and I, I love a gym, but what I do there versus what sometimes is going on a lot of the time is yeah. quite different, you know. Yeah. Thank you so much. I think that's so helpful and definitely a confronting practice but so powerful. Like do it when, when you're having a shower. It's like you're naked anyway, hopefully, when you're having a shower and just like take those few moments <laughs> and it's like it doesn't have to be. 10, 20, 30 minutes. It can just be a couple, like a few moments, a few breaths to begin with, and then it can just yeah. increase from there. Yeah. Um, well, that's the other thing. So powerful. People try to do too much, too fast. It's like start small, a minute, five minutes, you know. Same with meditation. People try to do 20 and 30 minutes. So it's like, don't do that. Yeah. Start very small, small, easy discipline that you can do five minutes before you fall asleep at night, yeah. you know. Yeah, totally. I, I so I so believe in that. It's like a lot of people like if I can't do an hour, it's not worth it. It's like, well, actually, that's not true. Like five minutes is better than no minutes. Like a few breaths I, is better than no breath. Exactly. You know, there's a few more moments of aliveness. Like yeah. any moments of aliveness is, is a step up from none. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Where can people find you? Uh, where can people find you? Oh, cool. So erinpalashik.com is how you find your way to everything else that I'm doing. And also Erin Zen Warrior on, so at Erin Zen Warrior on Instagram. Please like me. <laughs> um, and also on Facebook as well, Erin Palashik. There's various different things going on there. Um, we also have a holistic, a holistic page that we set up recently that we're going to start using more something to do with the way Facebook works and running ads. We had to kind of shift how we were running things. Um, so we've just started that up um, because of how we want to use Facebook now. Um, but yeah, you can find me through Facebook, through Instagram, and then erinkalashic.com is everything else. Cool. Well, I'll link all of those below so people know the spelling and know how to find you. I think it's, I think your work's incredible and really powerful and human design I find is just absolutely life-changing, but yeah, I'll make sure that's all linked below. I've read for people who, I mean, to speak to the men out there, I've read for people who coach for the hurricanes and stuff like that. Mm. So, and they find it astounding. They're just like, I just can't, I'm just blown away. That was actually the words that, that he used. I'm blown away. Yeah, you know? it definitely, so, definitely blew me away. I was like, oh my gosh, this is just so on point and so like eye-opening. And I think it just gives you some really incredible tools of how to actually navigate your energy. And I think it also takes, like, it also gave me a lot of relief of, like, understanding why I am the way I am in certain areas and how I respond to things and how I can really work with that. And also within the dynamic of my relationship being with a projector, um, just, like, understanding more about how his energy works and then how we can actually work together rather than fighting each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really powerful. Yeah, and as a projector who's often dated manifesting generators, 
you know, dealing with that incredible energy source is so much fun for us, but it's also exhausting for us. So, like, having that understanding of your partner of what energy field they're coming from and how they need to run means that, you know, it's like, oh, manifesting generator is going to need to do more good. Go do other stuff. I'm just going to stay here and rest a little bit until I get that new wave, you know. Um, but human design is an incredible tool for meditation. It's an incredible tool for spirituality. It was gifted to us in 1987. It's very new compared to astrology that's 5,000 years old, the I Ching that's also, you know, in the same realm, Kabbalah, chakra systems, all much older, um, that are all integrated in there. But it, it gives you that opportunity to embrace your shadows and your light because it's all there. So sitting right, it's like, oh my God, is that in there? Yeah, it is. And the flip side of the shadow of being judgmental is you've got incredible judgment to find unique ways through a solution, through a problem, you know? And judgmentalism is a shadow. Yeah. So you just need to bring some awareness to that. It's cool. It's yeah. part of who you are. Yeah, totally. And that's like the, again, like just aligns with that coming to wholeness of like, no longer feeling ashamed of those things, actually learning how to embrace it and work with it rather than against it. <laughs> exactly. Acceptance of you're not going to get rid of it. You're going to bring awareness to it so that you're the master. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thanks so much. I will probably have to do like another <laughs> episode at some point because there's still so much to talk about. But thanks Yeah, I wrote something down as you were talking to so I was like, oh, that's a good topic too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Keep all the notes. There's so much insight here that can be expanded on and then there's so much more. But, yeah, it was really awesome just chatting to you and, and sharing you with the community. I think there's so much gold in this episode. <laughs> I always feel uplifted by chatting to you. It's always great to align with someone who's quite like-minded and really grounded in their self-reflection, you know, um, and also in the same industry because I get that sort of come away and I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to do that next, you know. Yeah. <laughs> get my little Manny Jenny charge up, so. Uh, so good. All right. Until next time then. <laughs> Until next time. Oh, my goodness, such a awesome awesome episode and conversation i'm so grateful to have been able to bring erin onto the podcast and share some of her magical wisdom and really just follow the flow and see what came through it was really really magical creating this for you as always i welcome your feedback any questions questions for me questions for erin i definitely would love to have her back on and talk some more and just share some incredible messages with you um, but I would love to hear from you guys and just to hear what are you resonating with what do you want more of so that I can really ensure that I'm delivering the very best to you that's really in service to you so feel free to submit any feedback any questions to info at moniquecarmela.com and I look forward to connecting with you again soon as I shared at the beginning of this episode, my Embody Masterclass is mid-October, so it's going to be on October 16th, 19th, and 21st. It's a three-day masterclass. It's a deep embodiment journey. Go ahead and get your space registered so you don't miss out and you get that epic price of just $27. The link is below this episode. And I look forward to journeying with you live and actually being able to see your beautiful faces. So get your ticket and I will see you there thank you so much for listening to the good girl unleashed podcast if you are loving this content go ahead and subscribe to be notified of upcoming episodes 
please leave a five-star review to help me get these powerful teachings and practices to those who need it. If you would like to submit a question or would like to know more about how we can work together, send me an email to info at So much love to you, beautiful human. Until next time.